Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am Danielle, your host here, and today I have a guest with me, and it's really funny because this person I've literally never met in person before. She is my first, like, I would say, like, internet friend that I've made that's, like, someone that I really connect with on a deep level. I don't know her in person, but she is a graduate of the same program that I'm in with the NTA, and I found her through that network and really connected with her authenticity that she shares online. She is someone who's very um, full of integrity and um, just very authentic and will say it how it is. And that, of course, if you know me in real life and if you follow me, that I, I really appreciate people that continue to stand up for their beliefs. And um, speaking of beliefs, she and I have a similar or nearly the same typical biblical worldview. Um, we both believe our bodies have innate abilities to heal themselves as, I mean, our gifts are, or our bodies are a gift given by our creator and he doesn't make mistakes Um, and we just have to find the root causes to make all these negative symptoms and things we may be feeling we have to find that root cause to address that and not just throw a band-aid on it throw a pill on it throw even a supplement for example on it Um, we also believe in being an advocate for our own health and wellness and then that all starts with an internal thinking shift so welcome Lindsay. Um, i am so glad to have you here thank you i'm so glad to be here with you this is so exciting. So let's start out. Let's talk about who you are. Like, I don't want to know. I mean, we can know who you are. Like, tell us who you are. But I also want you to tell us, what do people say about you when you're out of the room? What do people say about me when I'm out of the room? Negative or positive? <laughs> let's, let's go, <laughs> when with, let's go positive. Room, I am a very passionate person. When I have something that means the 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 cornerstones of my life, the things that I am passionate about, everyone in the room is going to know about it. And so often I, I'm a very dogmatic person when I come to those (laughs) passions. My, I am a firstborn. I see the world very black and white. And that is often my strongest point in my life, but it can also be my downfall. And so knowing Knowing and and addressing the things that I am passionate about with grace and with love is the most important thing. And so when I'm out of the room, those are the, that is the thing that is talked about, I would assume, because, because my passion can be overwhelming because I love someone so much, but it also can be that overwhelming dogmatic passion as well. And so being careful to, to know when my passion is too much and to reel back (laughs) is my, is my greatest attribute to my life, but also my biggest downfall. No, I totally um, get that because I'm very similar. Um, You don't have to think twice what I actually think about a a topic because it's either going to show on my face or I'm going to just say it. Um, And I've learned how to like you said, just have a little bit of grace and like push it off and like learn to like, okay, is my advice warranted here? Is my belief warranted here? Should I speak up? Should I not? Like that's hard. That is hard. Especially when you have such deep passions and deep, um, like, you know, like you just know, and you want everyone else to know, like you said, you love them so much that you don't want them to suffer or, you know, whatever it may be. Right. And that, that comes into play a lot in our line of work. Because we do know we are educated, but, but addressing what we're educated in, in grace and understanding that 
Like I had a person ask me recently, how do you know so much? How do you know all of this stuff about, about health and toxins and, and your lifestyle? How do you know? She was like, because it's so hard to understand. Yeah. Well, it's taken me a long time. It's not something that I learned overnight, but it is, it is a lot. And sometimes if, if someone isn't passionate about it, it can be overwhelmingly a lot. <laughs> yes, it can. Um, something else I love about your story is that your mom's a hairstylist, a hairdresser. Um, yes. And my mom's a hairdresser. And really? <laughs> yes. And you um, grew up, you always talk about growing up that you always did your hair in the beauty shop. I did too. Like that's, oh, yeah. that's where I got like, dressed. Like I took a shower this morning. And I haven't fixed my hair yet because I do not fix my hair at my house. My mom lives on the other side of town. I literally, because my growing up, my, my mom's salon was right next to our house. She lives kind of in like the, the business district, but also in a, like a residential area. It's kind of confusing, but, um, so yeah, I would literally wake up. We didn't have a hairbrush in our house. Growing up, you never found a hairbrush in the house. Oh. You went to the salon and fixed you your hair. Did. <laughs> True. I didn't know. And like when I went back after moving out and things and not being having access to it, I did not understand how to get dre- dressed in the morning. I was like, wait, yeah. I don't have the proper lighting. I don't have the proper like space. Where's my tools? I don't have my tools just sitting there hanging ready to go for me. And like, what are you supposed to do if there's like an eyebrow out of place or something? Like there's n- none of my stuff is there. <laughs> right. And then I learned just how expensive hair care is out in the real world. Yes. Like shampoo and conditioner is expensive. (laughs) What? (laughs) It was such a culture shock. I was like, whoa, this is ridiculous. Do you know how much? Even in college, I would bring my like my liters of shampoo (laughs) and conditioner home and just use my mom's pumper like at her shampoo station. I didn't realize that like it was expensive. Whenever I lived across the country from my mom, I had to buy my first shampoo and conditioner (laughs) and I was blown away. I, I, I called my mom and I was like, thank you for spending so much money on me. And I didn't know it. (laughs) Yep. That's the same here. And then just having that access was crazy. Um, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. We know that you are uh, passionate. We know that we both have moms that are hairdressers. What else, what else about you that we should maybe know? So what else about me? I am married. I married, I got married in the very beginning of the pandemic. We actually heard the pandemic was happening and the courthouses started to shut down. I was scheduled to get married in April and me and my fiance at the time, we're just like, well, let's just go to the courthouse. Cause a friend of mine that works at the courthouse told us that they were shutting down. So we had to be escorted into the courthouse to get our marriage license. And then I, yeah, got married the Saturday before the pandemic, every, all the shutdowns happened. So I've been married for just over a year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Quarantine is the best honeymoon. <laughs> yes. Literally, we didn't go anywhere. We, he still had to work and I worked occasionally and left the house. But really, other than that, we just trapped at home. We destroyed our house and we're still kind of putting it back together because we were just like, oh, let's we're all stuck at home. Let's just start fixing up our house. We actually like tore out a window and put in a door and it was just crazy. Yeah. So you, what, what, what I just heard is that you just really put the rubber on the road quickly on marriage (laughs) of destroying a house. Cause that can, that can bring up some 
the the worst in both people. Oh yeah, we so, tore out. We still don't have trim in our house. I I didn't like the trim, and I was like, because eh, it's like old fifties trim. And so I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna start ripping this out of the wall. And we ripped all of the uh, paneling out of our house. So we ripped the floor out, and we we tore out a wall. Um, that wall that you can see. Oh, they're not. I can. No, yeah, they're not here, but I can see. We we knocked out a wall. We knocked out a window. Yeah, we did it all. It was kind of insane. <laughs> that does sound insane. So you go hard or go home. And that's um, yeah. kind of some, the next thing I want to talk about is something that, you know, as I was watching your story kind of unfold on Instagram, I mean, we're always in a story. But anyway, the story that you shared, um, it was just, I started to learn that you have a free will. And I really connected. And I'm honestly super inspired by that free will um and quite frankly um I'm actually going backpacking next week for my first time ever because of you it just inspired me to do something to, to do something new and hard and scary but it gives me what I need but anyway your ability to do that your ability to pick up to know to run off when you need to run off mm-hmm. to listen to your own innate wisdom that God gave you and the holy spirit inside you and actually follow through like that's huge can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about why you ran off <clears throat> to yellowstone to scoop ice cream <laughs> <laughs> so i did not used to have that free will that i have now i when I graduated from high school and I had a determination to do exactly what I thought that I was supposed to do. Um, I wanted to do everything just so because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I got a business degree and then I didn't know what, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do things holistic. I knew I loved holistic medicine. I knew that there was an important I knew God gave us the medicine we need to support our bodies. I, I just knew it in deep in my gut. I just knew. And I wanted to become a midwife. And so my parents told me that I needed to go to nursing school. Okay. And so I listened to their wisdom and I respected their wisdom. And so I went through nursing school, graduated nursing school. Um, I had a lot of health issues during that time period that I was struggling with but I didn't know how they were all connected. I had no clue what my body was doing. Um, and so I graduated from nursing school. I started having tear around whenever I was in nursing school, I started having terrible panic attacks. Um, my, my hormones were totally out of whack completely. When I graduated from nursing school, I went to take my state board test and I failed it. And then I continued to take it two more times and failed it. And then I started taking classes to teach me how to take the test. Okay. And I was working as a nurse, um, actually, because whenever you graduate from nursing school, you can still work with a like tentative license, um, until you pass your test. So the third time I failed my test, my, the DO in my, of my hospital told me that I no longer could work as a, like a student nurse, basically. Okay. I got a huge pay cut. I had already spent thousands of dollars. And so I was like, well, I just have to keep doing this. I'm just going to keep taking the test. Mm-hmm. So I took good test the fourth time and I failed it. Oh, and so no. I told God, I was like, I am taking the test one more time. If I fail it, I'm never doing anything in healthcare ever again, ever. So I took it the fifth time and I failed it. Oh, no. <laughs> 
failed my state board test five times. Um, and, and the thing was, was like, I knew what I was doing. I was working around nurses that I was helping educate on things. I knew what medicine did. I, I knew how to take care of my patients. Mm -hmm. I just could not pass that test. It was, it was awful. I hated myself. Okay. I was a failure. I looked at everything that I did as a failure. I hid from my life in every way, hid from my life and my nieces and nephews and my siblings. I, I poured everything. Like I said, I am a dogmatic and passionate person. And if I'm going to go one way, I'm going to go all in. And so every part of my identity, every part of who I was and what I did was investing in those kids' lives in my life and investing in my nieces and nephews and investing in my siblings. And I have a lot of younger siblings. Um, and so I was constantly doing things for other people and, and making the things that my life had anything that had value. I was making it about other people and not myself. And so I was still working at that same hospital because I didn't know what to do. I was stuck. I hated my life and my life is great. Like my life back then was great. I have so many, so many amazing things in my life, but now I know because of my holistic nutritional education that my minerals were so drastically off that they were causing depression in my life. And I was having panic attacks and my, my, again, my hormones continued to just go everywhere. So, um, in 2018, I had a 45 day long period. Oh my gosh. And I said, I'm done. I am done with everything. Everything. I, I <clears throat> shut everything completely down. And I was like, I am going to go do something for me that I, I just want to be alone from everyone and everything and just run and be where I know no one but the Lord is just the only person, the only thing that I know wherever I go. So I applied for 20 jobs. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, is I'm really smart. I have had amazing jobs throughout my life. I was going to like, one of the jobs that I was going to do is I applied to go be a para, a para, para, whatever, au pair, whatever, um, in China for a missionary family. And they had a son who has autism and they wanted me to just help him in school. I was just going to go to the school and love on this kid in China. And I was so excited for it. And then the law changed to where I would have had to have a teaching certification, um, to be able to go over there. Just like crazy things like that, where it was like, this job was everything. Like they were going to, I mean, I was going to get to go live in China for a year. I was so excited and crazy coincidental. God, totally, completely God. But you know, just crazy things like that, that just stopped me in my tracks. I was like, nope, that's not where you're supposed to go. And I mean, all of those jobs that I applied for within those six months were crazy stories like that, where it was like, yes, we want you, please come. And then, yeah, no, no answer other than I was supposed to go to Yellowstone. (laughs) So (laughs) I drove 
So other than I was supposed to go to Yellowstone. So I went to Yellowstone, the best decision I ever made. I literally, you know, everybody says, oh, don't just go rent the mountains. No, it was the absolute best thing for me. It got me away from the structure that I had created. It got me away from the problems that I were, I was letting impact my life. I got away from social media, which we run our business on social media (laughs) at this point. So it's, I can, there's definitely benefits from it, but I was at such a stage in my life where the comparison traps and Mm. the, the, I'm behind on this, but, but I realized in running away to Yellowstone to scoop ice cream that my schedule is, there isn't a schedule. We're just living our life. And we are, our purpose is to share Jesus's love with everyone that we come in contact with. And it, it doesn't have to do with, with graduating at a certain time and marrying at a certain time and having kids at a certain time. Because honestly, if I could look back on my life when I wish things would have gone my way, the result of things going my way would have landed me in a life that now at 30, I don't really want. And so knowing that when things don't happen, when you fail that test five times in a row after you've poured thousands of dollars and hours and hours of studying into it, there's a purpose in that. And so understanding that purpose drastically changed everything about my life. One, and, and, you know, in Yellowstone, there were a lot of, um, the culture of people that work at Yellowstone is lost and is they're they're looking for something. And so they run to the create, the creation Mm -hmm. rather than the creator. I was reading that this morning, actually, (laughs) you know, people fall in love with the creation, but they don't understand the creation is supposed to point us to Jesus. Right. And in Yellowstone, it, it showed me just how much our creation is the creation that God gave us is intentional for us to see our need for him and being surrounded by Yellowstone and being surrounded by the immaculate, just it's just overwhelming how beautiful and how, how much there is to see in one little tiny spot of the world and how someone can go in nature and not see Jesus is just absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. But so I went to Yellowstone. Um, I also met my husband there. So that (laughs) was an extra bonus. I got away from I got away from just this life that was on my schedule. And I finally learned to pay attention to God's schedule and that his schedule is better than my schedule. Yes. Even when it makes absolutely no sense running away to the mountains to serve ice cream, whenever you have already graduated from college sounds insane. Yep. But my, my schedule is different than everybody else's schedule and don't compare yourself to anyone else's schedule. <laughs> yeah. Something that you said, I literally wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. You got away from all of that comparison, all of that, um, the mental 
distractions, the spiritual distractions, you got away from the what's supposed to happen, um, the way it's supposed to be, and the way you were, I'm not, and I don't mean the way you were raised was negative or anything, but just that community that you were raised in can like kind of um, close us off and feel like people yes. like me are going to explode. Like there, right. you are a square trying to fit inside this little circle and it doesn't fit. I, ex- I have experience with that so much. I grew up in a one stoplight town, a dad who was a deputy yes. sheriff. Where everyone gets married at 18. Yep. Everyone knew, everybody knew everybody. Everybody knows everybody's business. My mom's the town beautician. Um, like yeah. I was in a fish our lives, <laughs> our lives are identical. I know. And we literally have one stoplight too. <laughs> I love it, but I don't, I do. <laughs> but the fact that you went back and I didn't. Um, but that thing, yeah. like I had that <laughs> urge. I had everything. You are seven years younger than me. And I typically like, it's weird to have people younger than me that I respect um, being quite <laughs> frank, being quite frank, but it's really good and encouraging for, to me to be around people like you or to be influenced and hear what's going on with people like you, because I see myself in your story too. Mm-hmm. I remember like when, as you were talking about just like, I needed to get away from it all. And you were talking about all these feelings you were having, all these thoughts, all these things, the anxiety, the depression, the overwhelm, the burnt out basically is what you were feeling. Yeah. And you ran away. I did the exact same thing. I left mm-hmm. and I, I, came, I went, I go back to visit, but I left and I didn't leave because I disliked or I was in hate. I, there was no ill will about anybody else. It was all about me. It yeah. was all about the growth of me. And if I hadn't left, I quite frankly would probably not have been saved. I would not have been baptized believer that Jesus Christ is my savior and that he was, he came to earth as full of flesh of God. He was perfect. He died, was buried and and raised again. And that I now get to have eternity with him. I would never have been where I'm at today had I not left. Mm -hmm. And I love that because some of my clients that I work with right now, I'm not with nutritional therapy because I haven't graduated yet, but some of my um, other clients that I've been working with, a lot of them are experiencing this overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, we are constantly talking about anxiety or depression and then the digestive issues that go with that. And then the, um, like you were talking about the mineral situation and um, they're not hydrated. Like it's literally everything about their bodies are not well. Yeah. And the environment that they feel like they can't just go to the hills. They can't just go and run. When my marriage was in shatters, like shatters that I could not have put together myself, I ran to the mountains. And I I don't know what it is about this season of podcasts, but I've got tears in my eyes because climbing my first mountain at over 300 pounds, it sure as hell took my breath away. Yeah, it did. But you know what? It took my breath away. (laughs) It did, but it took my breath away in ways that made me stop, purposely Mm. stop and have to see the creation and experience the creation that points to no one else but our creator. Yeah. And when you get to the top of that mountain that you're climbing, I went to Lake Tahoe, when you get to that mountain that you're climbing and you see, holy crap. Yeah. What am I missing? There is so much more than what's in here. There's so much more than what was in my community growing up. So much more than what was in my marriage. There's so much more out there that I have to be surrendered to the one, the one that is in charge of all of that. Yeah. The one that can eliminate all of us and that as well. But you got away and you ran. 
Mm-hmm. You did get some blessings along the way, a great husband and so forth. And you, but you got to meet God one-on-one. You yeah. got to even live out and disciple probably and speak to other people. What would you say to people that um, maybe are scared to head to the mountains as a, as a um, metaphor, but are scared to run and to get away? What would you say to those people? Trust. You know, and even in Yellowstone, there were a lot of hard things because like I said, the great things were also the hard things. Cause I had, you know, it, it was a very lonely season in the fact that I didn't go to church for six months. That was the first time in my life. Like, I mean, even if I missed one Sunday throughout my life, I for sure didn't miss the next Sunday of church. Like yeah. I, we were a family that went to church every single Sunday. It wasn't a question. And so not going to church for six months was really hard. And, and a mountain, I I thought of this as you were just asking me that question, a mountain can be so many things than just a physical mountain. Cause while I was in the mountains and while I was healing so much of the way that I thought about myself, there were also other things that were hard. And so I remember one day I was we had a, like an hour long wait to scoop ice to of ice cream. <clears throat> Seriously, people go on vacation and they stand in line. Like the longest line we had was two hours. Oh my gosh. Two hours to get ice cream on vacation. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> yes. Insane what people do on vacation. <laughs> but there was, there was one day and this man, I was scooping ice cream and we were really busy and this man came up to me and he said, ma'am, I've been watching you since I've been standing in line for the last hour. And I was like, well, that's kind of creepy at first. (laughs) But he was like, he said, where do you go to church or where, where, where do you, where do you meet with other believers or something along those lines? And I said, well, and I just kind of, I kind of blew him off at first because we were so busy. And he said, do you meet with other believers? I have goosebumps. Yeah, I did too. I was like, what? And I just like threw my ice cream scoop down and I like walked it around to the other side and I was like, okay, we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said, I just want to make sure that you are not struggling in your, in meeting with believers. He said, I could just see Jesus in your eyes. And I was like, <sighs> whoa, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. And it was, you know, that was a mountain that I was climbing while I was there. Mm-hmm. A physical and spiritual, just hard, hard. And there, there were, God sent me different people while I was there that, that supported me and that encouraged me. But it was also, it was a very dark season, yep. even though there were a few people here and there that did support me yep. and yep. did encourage me daily and kept me accountable. But, um, that was one mountain that just that day, I will never forget that man's face. Just, I see Jesus in your eyes. And I was like, okay, I needed that. Thank you. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was a view that I needed from someone. <laughs> that is powerful. And then you said, so you just said something about it was the darkest time. Like you, you were going through some dark times there, even though there was some goodness. Um, darkness, we know that and I hate the stupid metaphor of the the seed and the plant and all of that kind of stuff. 
But I like the idea that that darkness is where your faith roots grew deep. Oh, yeah. Because our faith roots have to grow deep so that we can heal all that mental health. And then like, oh, yeah, once our mental our phys- our spiritual self is taken care of and like worked on and we're in a good flow, then mm-hmm. the mental health kind of follows because there's confidence. And I, right. like you said earlier, I don't know how people can go through life without Jesus. I don't either because that's where I find my confidence. I wake yeah. up with breath. Because I was given that gift of breath every day. Mm-hmm. And I always, and I, and I laugh because I cope with laughter. Um, I do too. <laughs> totally inappropriate laughter. But I'm, like, I'm, really, I'm going to be laughing. Yep. <laughs> um, but like I could literally go get my mail and go down my hill. I could, I could fall with it's, if it's raining, it's Southwest Ohio's my little valley here that always is raining, but I could slip down my driveway crack my head open and no one, no one honestly would see that I was gone for a little bit. I would be alone and yeah. I could, I could die there. I could die going to go get groceries or whatever. That breath of that I've been given is a gift. And I don't want to take that for granted. And how I take care of that is growing my faith roots deep to have the confidence. Well, I guess I got breath today. I need to continue to continue growing, continue yeah. working, continue moving, continue pointing people to Jesus. Because in Yellowstone, it was so hard for me because I finally had to start addressing where my problems were. And I finally had to start looking deep. I couldn't blame it on, oh, I got to go to my brother's baseball game. Oh, I got to go to my, you know, I got to go to this. I got to go to that. I have to go see my nieces and nephews. I have to babysit today. I have to, I have to study for this test. I hadn't focused on me in so long and I hadn't focused on my problems. And so I finally started focusing on my where my problems were coming from that they could finally heal running from your responsibility of yourself over serving over serving and I only know this because I'm just like that um I lose myself you can tell when my mental health is in a bad place Mm -hmm. is when I spread myself so thin that I don't have time to think about me and I'm thinking mm-hmm. about some clients that I have, and I'm not sure if um, if they even listen to my podcast because I don't know I, I don't know how to figure out the demographics of who is listening, who is I just know where people are listening. But there is a client I have that is has always been busy, and mm-hmm. has always put she is the uh, she is a phenomenal server. <clears throat> she is a reliable, dependable person. She is someone who loves Jesus more than, more than she loves herself. But she also puts herself on the far back burner. She's always got something. And, and it's like there's a fear to address that darkness that's inside. And when we struggle with that darkness, like I've always said, you can tell a person's wellness by looking, their outsides match their insides. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that to be rude because I've always been obese or overweight my whole flipping life. I don't, not except for when I was born. When I was born, I was normal. Um, well, as normal as possible. But I've always been overweight mm-hmm. or obese my whole life. I get it. Like, I feel like I have a ground to say, I get it. My outsides match my insides. And right now I feel strong as strong can be. And I have a body that is ma- starting to look like it matches that. I've always yeah. said, I want my... Um, insides to match my outsides, my outsides to match my insides. And thinking about that darkness and running away from your responsibilities. It's no wonder 
you had a period for 45 days. It's no yeah. wonder you had mental issues, mental health problems that weren't addressed. And I don't know about you, but my parents, we didn't talk about mental health. You just got over it and shove it on the rug and move on. Like we didn't talk about yeah. problems. So well, and like, I thought mental health was, I mean, honestly, growing up, I thought, well, if you have a mental health problem, like you just don't know how to address it. Like just get over it. You're fine. Yep. Same here. Had no clue that it was like seriously a problem. Yep. Until, well, in the middle of, in the middle of spending thousands of dollars to pass my nursing test, (laughs) I started taking counseling for all of my problems. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done for my, like, this is one of the best things. Everyone should go to counseling. Everyone should have a counselor just to verbally vomit. (laughs) And then make, and then make rational, logical, linear thoughts out of that. That is so helpful to have validation, like, okay, these thoughts are okay. Like, but how do we move on with these thoughts? Like, how do we use these yeah. and then actually make them productive for you? Kind of like, because too many times we just keep our thoughts right here mm-hmm. and we overthink them over and over until they become a serious problem mm-hmm. because we don't want to tell anybody our problems. Yep. And we behave out of what we think or believe. So it's kind of like when in the Bible, it talks about taking every thought captive mm-hmm. because everything And then also um, and and casting your cares upon him because that imagery of the casting is literally like a fishing pole being cast out and you no longer have control of what you just threw out. Right. And like. He was talking to fishermen who threw, who knew how to fish well. Yep. And the idea of taking the thoughts captive, this is something I've been working on lately too, is that I can't, I can't control everything in my environment. I can't control everything, but I can control what goes in my eyes for the most part. I can control what goes in my ears for the most part. I can control what goes in my mouth for the most part. And I want that to reflect. I want all those things going in to reflect who I want to be because it's all going to come out for out of the mouth or out of behaviors. Yeah. You're real who you are flows. And that, I think that that's something that people forget and like, Oh, you know, I'm so like when we, I remember when I was a baby Christian in my twenties that I was um, reading and I'm admitting this here, but I was reading that 50 shades of gray and I was reading. um, Oh, I was like watching things that I thought, Oh, I'm just numb to those. It's not even a problem anymore. It's no big deal. And then I realized I was never meant to be numb to that. That was nothing that I should not be numb to this sexual exploitation that I was just reading and the images that were in my mind. You know, I used to love chick flicks, loved them, thought they were the best things ever to watch. And then I met my husband and I was like, these mean nothing anymore. Like, I don't even like my favorite chick flicks from back in the day. I don't even like them anymore because they have nothing on my love life. Yep. They have nothing on my relationship with my husband. Like right. those, those movies that I thought, oh my goodness, if I could just have a story like that. Oh, if I could just, if I could just, now I'm like, my story is so much cooler than that. I don't even care. Like yeah. I, I literally have not, unless a friend or my, you know, my sister or my mom have said, Hey, let's watch a girl movie. Okay. I'll watch it. But I don't even pay attention anymore. Yep. Back in the day, I was like, I couldn't get enough of those fairy tales Yep. that, they were impacting my life because, and, and cause I just wanted somebody cause I just wanted this or just wanted that. And so I was focusing on literally a fake movie that somebody made. 
Yeah, I had to be careful with Hallmark, the Hallmark Christmas movies. I have oh, to be I love very Hallmark care- Christmas movies. <laughs> I do too, but I have to be very careful because sometimes I look They're at my so husband. Fake. They are, but I look at my husband and I'm like, why can't you do that? And he's like, do you really want me to be like that? I'm like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> right. And I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit my life and go like live out in the woods with you and actually have to work hard. And <laughs> no, I, I, I'm good. <laughs> but <Never so>, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, but sometimes I have to be careful of that because I'm like, I'm happily married right now. And I'm like, enjoying, enjoying the thirties, my thirties and his forties. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying my life right now. And I love my marriage. I love our relationship. And it's like, why? Like I have to be very careful. So yeah, all that to say is just like, a lot of us are taught that it's okay. And it's normalized that we can run from all of our problems and do it all. And we can't. No. So you can run, you can run. And see, that's the, that's the thing. Whenever I told people, Oh, I'm just running to the mountains because I don't like my life. Like that is seen in such a negative sometimes because, mm-hmm. and I can totally see how people see that as a negative. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm just running from my problems. But my problems were, I was obsessing over my problems other than my life. Yep. And so I just had to kind of start from scratch. Like knock everything down. Who is Lindsay? Who is she? And what does she want? And where is she going from here? Forget about everything that's impacted your life and the things that weighed you down, but who do you want to be? Let's not compare it to anyone throughout your life. Let's not compare it to what you've done in life. Let's say, okay, we're starting from scratch right here. I was on my way to Yellowstone on a mountain and I was like, okay, I'm starting over right here. From now on, I'm going to ask myself, why do I want this? Why do I not want this? Who am I and where am I going from here? Always going back to that why. Always going back to that why. That's my word for this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that's, but that is something, mine's growth this year, but the why we should ask ourselves, why am I doing literally everything? Yeah. Why am I, why am I on this podcast with you? Because I think your story is so relatable and you can tell it in a different way than I can. And I think that it can change people when we can find ourselves in, in, in other people's stories. It gives us a ray of hope. It gives us like, Oh, I'm not alone. A place of like, okay. And maybe some next steps. And on that note, I, I know that everyone, so we talked about kind of like mental struggles and that kind of stuff, but you had some severe health problems. And I really want to talk about one specific one that you are very um, vocal about and very mm-hmm. um, open about that struggle. Um, you know, we, we laugh at gas. Like we, we have fart jokes all the time, but gas was not a laughing matter for you. Was it? No, no. So I started farting when I was a toddler and it was constant. And I honestly, I don't remember farting now, now where I am since nutritional therapy, since I started understanding how the body actually works on a foundational level, Mm -hmm. I have never felt like this before. Never. I can't remember a time where I wasn't holding in a fart. And I was actually talking to my sister about this a couple of weeks ago and she started to cry. She said, I had no clue because it wasn't even something that I thought, oh, I'm in pain. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm bloated. Whenever I said I was bloated, it was like, I can't walk. I can't move kind of pain. And 
now that I understand stress and I understand different things throughout our body, when I was, when I was four, my mom had lost four babies. Um, my sister, my, she finally carried a baby to full term. And my sister was in ICU for a month with sepsis. Um, we, our house burnt down while my mom was pregnant with that sister and we lost everything that February. And then in August, we moved across the country to Georgia. So a little four-year-old is seeing all of this trauma and like, and I say all of that to like say, wow, her life was really stressful. I had the perfect childhood. Like I, I thought my life was absolutely, my childhood was absolutely perfect. And, but I didn't see those things as stress. Now looking back, I can say, oh, wow, she was super stressed. And so I think that was whenever my dysbiosis happened. And I like, my parents were both, my mom is a hairstylist, but she was also a cheer coach then. Okay. We were on a school bus on our way home from a game one time. And we had the bus that like the windows don't roll down yep. and I farted. We literally had to pull over to the side of the road because every high school student on the bus was gagging and about to throw up because I farted. Oh. I was five, oh, five years gosh. old. And we had to pull the bus over to the side of the road. That is embarrassing. Yeah. And so it just continued. It literally, and it was just normal. That was who I was. That's what everybody just kind of, oh, Lindsay farted. My teachers had Lindsay spray. My friends would run around and spray me. Like that was, and and not that my teachers were bad, but it was just, that was normal. Teachers knew Lindsay's in my class. I have to have air freshener because it's going to stink. Like, oh no. And, and I was embarrassed, but it was almost a, to a point where it was just like, well, this is just normal. So I just accepted it. And yeah, there were times where it was embarrassing, but it almost, I was just, like you said, I was numb to it. I didn't understand how bad it really was. And my mom was, and you know, fast forward throughout my whole childhood, I was on my way to college. My parents were driving with me and my mom said, okay, you're about to meet all these new people. You don't know anybody. Who do you, who do you want to be? What do you want these people to not to know about you? Or, yeah. who do you, you know, and I said, it would be really nice if everybody didn't know I farted. Yeah. That was my dream in going to college. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it was obviously really traumatic and really yeah. became your identity to everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It became my complete identity. It was, it was a part of everything in my life. Um, that night I went to a Christian Bible college in Texas that night we all sat down to sit and pray in like my like dorm area and it literally got quiet and I let out the largest stinkiest fart in the middle oh. of the dorm and I was like well that dream's over <laughs> oh no oh everybody no. knew day one dang it <laughs> He couldn't even make it through day one. Come on, bowels. Right? Let's, let's, let's at least get one day. <laughs> yeah. So it was just something that was just common. It was normal. It was something that I didn't really, I didn't know their problem. And literally I was in school to be an NTP. I was already several months in and I was, you, you've gone through where they do an evaluation of you. Yep. Like yep. Practice clients with your classmates. Yep. My friend said, you have a digestive problem. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I had blinders to the fact that my gas was a health concern. Mm -hmm. Because I had gone to the doctor. I, and here's the thing. 
I ate super healthy. I've eaten out of my dad's farm, my, my dad's garden my whole life. We mm-hmm. always had a, we, my parents would buy a cow twice a year. Yep. Like yep. that's how I ate. I was super healthy. I never liked fast food. Never yep. did. My mom told me when I was young, fast food's bad for you. In my brain, fast food is bad. Don't eat it. Like mm-hmm. that's just what I, I've always eaten super healthy. I've always been active. I was a cross country runner. Like all the things that were just healthy. Yeah. And, but I didn't know that no matter what I was eating, even if it was super healthy, it was still irritating my intestines. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I, whenever I tell people, yeah, I've had this my whole life and I soothed my intestinal lining within about six to eight months. They're like, wait, what, how did this happen? Yep. I tell my friends that I don't fart anymore. And they're like, <laughs> I don't believe you. I do not believe you. <laughs> One of my roommates from college, she was like, I know you've been talking about this on Instagram for a while, but I really, do you seriously not fart anymore? (laughs) Yes, I know. It's shocking. I don't understand it, but somehow it's happening. (laughs) Because you traumatized everybody. Your bowels traumatized everybody that were with it. Yeah, they did. They did. It was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we can get into that a little bit more later when I ask you that, but um, why I actually brought you on here. Um, was we to talk about toxins because okay. toxins are something that I am, you know, I've learned about in school and all of that. I just don't have enough um, life experience with it. And that's how I learn is by reading it and like learning all the science behind it and then putting it into practice myself. Mm-hmm. And so I would be grateful because I, you know, bowel toxicity and dysbiosis can be affected by our toxins that we are in, you know, around all the time. Can you teach us what toxins are and how they can be like that last thing? If we're, like you said, we're eating healthy, we're doing everything right, but we still have something we just don't like about, like a symptom that we don't like. Can you talk to us about what toxins are and how to manage them or mitigate them as best as possible in a budget-friendly way? Mm -hmm. So I started, I I just got married. So whenever I purchased my house, I started buying cleaner products. So I was not someone that had to throw out a lot of products. Um, my husband did buy a dish soap that I disagreed with. And he was like, wait, what, why can't we use that? I was like, no, this is not going to be in my house. (laughs) But the, the thing with toxins is that we have to understand is they are damaging your body. You might not even have symptoms. You know, we, we spray Windex on our windows and we clean our showers and we clean our floors and we clean, we clean all these different areas of our house, but there's a label on there that says, if you consume this much call poison control, Mm -hmm. because your liver is having to work extra hard to get that out of your body. If your child, if your child is playing under your kitchen sink and you have toxins under there, you're going to freak out because you're scared that you're going to have to call poison control because it's overwhelming your body. Yep. But, but it's okay to spray it on everything and con- to clean our plates with it and to clean the surfaces of our house and spray our air with it and spray everything with the same thing that we would call poison control on if our kid ate a few ounces of it. And the thing is, is that our liver is still having to work when there's a small amount or a large amount, because it is a poison. 
the large amount that you have to call poison control for that amount, it can kill you. (laughs) Yep. So that doesn't mean that a smaller amount of it is less damaging to our body. Yeah. It won't completely shut down your liver, but it will make your liver have to work extra hard. And so the, the, the thing with our liver is, is that if we have so many of these different toxins, they're in, they're in everything. They're in our makeup. They toxins are in our cleaners. They're in, they're in our air. We can't get rid of every toxin that we come in contact with, but I can control what's in my house. I can control what I put on my skin, what I put on my hair, because everything, even your makeup, our makeup has hormone disruptors in it. And so if we have makeup with hormone disruptors, every fun, you know, this, every function in our body is controlled by a specific hormone. So let's take digestion. For example, CCK is a, is a hormone that controls my digestive system and controls my stomach. And so if I am putting makeup on, that's disrupting my hormones, the problem with hormones is, is so many people just look at hormones as reproductive health. Yeah. But there's so many hormones involved in every different area of our body that we don't think about. If you have a digestion problem, you most likely have some type of hormonal imbalance because there's hormones that control your digestion. And if that's off because of our, because of our makeup or because of our shampoo and conditioner or because of our lotion or because of, you know, forget about the toxins that are so bad for us that people like think are the worst thing for us. Think about the things that are just every, you know, the cleaning products, like, Oh, well, I don't use bleach around my kids. Well, the bleach is drying on your floor and then your kids crawling on it. It still has the same chemical makeup, but we just don't, we don't see it as the whole picture. Right. And so seeing toxins as the whole picture, if you're going to have something in your house that you're going to have to call poison control on, it's poison. Yep. Even if, even if you don't have an immediate reaction to it, it still is, it's still debilitating the way your body is supposed to function. I agree with that. And the liver is quite frankly, so I'm like all about obesity and all the obesity related diseases. And it took the NTA for me to realize that, so you know, like how we talk, look at things that like the whole, like the overall big picture, but we look mm-hmm. at everything clear down to the microscopic cellular level. Right. And then all the things in between my favorite dang organ is the liver. Oh, mine too. I'm obsessed with my liver. I am too. (laughs) And that's the one thing that I am like, if bare minimum, I have like non-negotiables in my life. One of my non-negotiables for my body systems is always protecting my liver. And now I understand why um, the liver is part of the triangle of death. Your liver, your kidneys, and your intestines. Guess what? Those are three of our detoxification pathways that as soon as they're done, they're gone. But the liver, I didn't realize it regulates our hormones. It regulates, it regulates our, blood, our sugar. blood sugar. Yeah. And like blood sugar causes arthrosclerosis. I don't know how to say that word, but like yeah. blood sugar dysregulation causes all the hormone dysfunctions and yeah. all these things. And it's crazy to me to think that one organ, one, yeah. One organ. The liver is do- the, I mean, all organs are essential, but the <laughs> liver is the most important. I'm just like you, like I do everything possible to take care of my liver. Yep. 
And that's what we were talking. And I said, I think I sent you a message because you shared something about sunscreens and whatnot. And um, this was the first year that I have not burnt um, because I have taken care of my liver and my cholesterol is being used properly. Yeah. And um, my vitamin D is able to transfer in, or, you know, the sunlight's able to work properly through the cholesterol and all that. Like, I'm just astounded at how much different my life is from supporting mm-hmm. my liver. Yeah. Who'd have thought? You know, and the crazy thing is, is now that I'm an NTP, I evaluate like my entire life. Like I will go back years and I'm like, this happened this year. I was doing this. I was eating this way. Like, and I can evaluate how I was 10 years ago. Like the only year that I, well, the year that I lived in the dorms in Texas, I was eating in the cafeteria and it was terrible. Like it was the worst food that I've ever eaten. And you, like, like I said, I had always eaten grass fed meat. I had always eaten, you know, we ate vegetables from my dad's garden. Like that was my normal growing up, even yeah. with all my digestive problems. <laughs> but the year that I lived in Texas and I was eating vegetable oil rather than, you know, olive oil or, or a lot of, a lot of fat and a lot of butter, I got the worst sunburn of my life Yep. in like May. So it wasn't even the middle of summer, worst sunburn I've ever had. Yep. No, I, I believe it. And um, thinking about toxins and um, our detoxification pathways. Can you quickly do a rundown? Cause I could do it. And I don't know if I could do it very kindly and properly and professionally. Cause I've got somewhat of an attitude toward those who promote detoxification or detox, you know, <laughs> detoxes like or whatever. Your detox teas and your yes. deto- Go on a detox for three days. Yes. Three yeah. days is going to do a whole lot for you, but also it can really damage you. So can you talk yeah. about um, detoxification and why your Hey Girl products are not going to probably do what they say they're going to do. So the problem with detox teas or detox products or detox pills, or those things are not supporting the pathway. So your body was created to detox. It, it, that's what it's supposed to do. God made your body to get rid of the things that are in your body. And so all of these products that people promote to help your body get rid of, get rid of the fat or get rid of the, the bad meals, you know, Oh, I just ate a Christmas. I just ate Christmas dinner and a whole bunch of Christmas desserts. I need to go on a detox in January. Like those detoxes are not, what you need to do. You need to be supporting your body and in supporting your body, you need to be eating a balanced meal because you, you have what you already need. Everything that you need to heal is within your body. That's, that's the way your body was created. Your mitochondria heals each and every individual cell. And so if you're not healing, you've either severed your body's way of healing that area, or you're doing something to prevent your body from healing. So eating, eating pie at Christmas, isn't something that, that prevents you from healing. It's not something that is going to cause your body to need a detox. Your body is, your body is made to detox and to digest that food. What, what our problem is, is that we're so full of so many toxins and our body doesn't know how to digest those toxins because food can turn into toxins. If, if our intestines are impacted, if you're not pooping at least once a day, 
I would want to say you should be, you should be pooping after every meal for every meal you eat. You should poop. If you're not your digest, your detoxification system is backed up because you're not getting rid of that meal. Think, think about this. This is maybe too much information. Think about the size of your poop. Okay. (laughs) Yep. That's about the size of a plate of food. Yep. So wouldn't you think that if you're putting that much into your body, you should be getting that much out of your body. But often we think, oh, I pooped once this week. I used to think that way, guys. I used to think I pooped once this week. I'm fine. And I, my detox pathways were, were shot at that time in my life. I was sweating profusely whenever I was, whenever I was younger and running cross country, I was sweating constantly. Now, you know, sweat is a way of detoxing your body. Breathing is a way of detoxing your body. Everything that comes crying is a way of detoxing your body, spitting, pooping, Every peeing, everything you do that comes from your body is detoxing. If your armpits stink, it's detoxing crazy amounts of toxins. I literally, I had a friend the other day ask me why I don't use, why I don't use deodorant. And I literally put my armpit up and I said, well, you can smell me. She said, why you don't stink? I said, I know because I don't have toxins that are trying to come out of that area of my body. If you think about the way your body's created, when you're sick, your lymph nodes, your lymph nodes swell. You have a lot of lymph nodes in, you know, the areas where your body traps toxins and where your body traps really the, the things that are trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times whenever people talk about cellulite, you know, we've all seen that super skin, Everybody thinks cellulite, oh, it's just, be, it, it's just something that fat people have, right? Yep. No, we've all seen that really tiny girl that has cellulite on her legs. Yep. It has nothing to do with your size. Absolutely nothing. Cellulite is a way of your body protecting you from toxic chemicals that are trying to get to your organs and kill you. And, and it stores it in your fat. Yep. It's amazing. Our bodies are amazing. Our bodies are constantly protecting us yes. from death. And think about and like, think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. But think about those people like from the industry that like the clientele, like my niche clientele that come to me, they're always like, but why don't, why can't, why don't you allow me to lose weight as fast as her or like on this program or that? And I'm like, because first of all, we need to get you on doing the proper lifestyle habits of a healthy person. Yeah. And then we can bump you up. But if we lose a ton of actual fat mass fast, what is being stored in that fat? Toxins. And you're going to get sick. Yeah. And you're going to be sick. And there are so many people that have done some of these crazy programs. There's a very popular one that starts with an O that's out there. Um, there and people have come to me from there. And um, there's another one that starts with an M. And I won't say if you don't know, you don't know. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but these companies... I've had clients come to me who've had multiple surgeries because guess what? Their organs started to shut down or they stopped working. Why? Because there was a crazy toxic overload of that much fat loss. And then guess what happens? 
when you have that fast of fat loss, you're not going to keep it off. Come, come on. Even it's only a, only 5% of people will keep off bariatric surgery weight for, for forever. Or I'm sorry, for like 10 years for, um, for forever. It, it got, it drops down to like 3%. And that's with wow. any kind of bariatric surgery. So that tells me we don't necessarily have a food problem. We have what you talked about and what we've discussed this whole time is actually digging into that dark, deep yeah. crap of life and pulling out and looking at it. I hate the analogy that says, oh, leave your baggage at the door. Oh, hell no. That's what got us here in the first place. And this is the first time I've ever cussed on this. And I know that my podcast is rated um, an E for expli- explicit because I, we talk about sensitive topics. I don't want, you know, kids walking in. This is a, the second, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> all that to say, like, we're not going to keep this weight off. And it's all about that. Li- oh, it's all about digging into that deep, dark crap of life. And mm. oh, le- oh, leaving the baggage at the door is a bunch of crap. Why? Yeah. I hate that. Because when we leave the baggage at the door, that perpetuates shoving stuff under the rug. That perpetuates yeah. not looking at what the actual problems are. I'm not saying that we need to hold and use, the, use what's in the baggage as an excuse. No, we need to pull it out, pull it out, put it on our lap and peel off the layers and address each item and then move on. Because a lot of times there are things that clients will come to me and we'll talk about. And it's like, they'll talk about something that happened when they were four. four. Four seems to be one of the first times that we still have like active memory or whatever. I don't know what you call it, but we have a memory and that's very a vital time period when people can start make remembering things and they're like even like I said earlier when I started thinking about when my digestive problem happened it was stress that I never even looked at when I was four and and really if I think about throughout my health journey over the you know since I became an NTP and since I was in school whenever I realized I started I started farting at four I had all these I had all this stress in my life and I looked at it and I was like, okay, no big deal. And I moved on. Yep. That was a huge part of my digestion and my healing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I guess that leads me into the last thing. And it's always the testimony. When I have a guest on here, I want to hear how you came to Jesus, how your, how you, or I want to hear about your story of redemption and how that's played out in the life you currently live. Okay. So I am going to tell my testimony with a little bit of a twist. Um, So I gave my heart to Jesus at five. I was raised by amazing, amazing parents in an amazing home where we read our Bible together every night. We read our Bible together every morning. That was, that was my normal. And my parents were very intentional with how they raised us to love Jesus And so I gave my heart to Jesus at a very young age. He's always been a part of my life. When I, but when we talk about faith, that is something that I have learned. And now looking back, well, I'll just tell you the story first of all. Okay. Okay. So I told you earlier that my mom had had four miscarriages when I was really young. So around miscarriage three, I was two and we were driving down the road and I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I'm going to pray that you have 10 kids. And she had just lost three. And she was like, okay, I, 
Like, what do you say to your kid that is going to tell you, I'm going to pray you have 10 kids and you've already lost three. And like, what do you say to that kid? What do you do? I don't know how my mom handled me back then. Like I said earlier, I'm dogmatic and passionate. And when I say something, it's the way it's going to be. So I told my mom, I'm going to pray you have 10 kids at two. So then at four, um, then my mom had another miscarriage right after that. My mom almost died with the fourth miscarriage. Um, she had a tubal pregnancy. She was Mm. rushed into surgery. It was really bad. Her doctor told her, be thankful. You have a daughter. You'll never have any more children. And he said, most likely whenever I see people with a tubal pregnancy, it'll go through the next tube. They'll have another tubal and they'll be done. So Mm. I was like, okay, like preparing yourself for this. Well, then she gets pregnant with my sister and I could make this a lot longer, but she gets pregnant with my sister has my sister two years later, she gets married with my brother or gets pregnant with my brother. <laughs> two years later, gets pregnant with my second, my second brother. And my, the four, my second brother, um, is a dwarf. He has achondroplasia. Okay. And so when he was born, um, we had some doctors with terrible bedside manner, basically told my parents that he was going to die really young. He was going to be extremely, um, could never live life on his own. Like this doctor was, gave us every bad scenario in the book, told us that we would be in the hospital his whole life. Um, and granted we were in the hospital for about two years. He had two major back surgeries, um, that both lasted like over 16 hours or something when he was three and five. Um, So that was another crazy, but after my brother was born, my parents decided that they weren't going to have any more children. He was going to have a lot of medical needs. We were going to have to take care of him regular, you know, around the clock basically is what our doctors told us. And so they decided to be done having children. So there were four of us, two girls, two boys. Um, Life was, like I said, my life was perfect. Like Anytime I think about my childhood, I had an amazing childhood. I loved growing up the way I did. And so there were four of us all through life. And, but remember I prayed for 10 kids at two. And so then, um, about six years ago, um, through a lot of different situations in life, um, my parents got custody of an eight-year-old and, uh, got custody of an eight-year-old in September and he was supposed to have a brother in November. And so we had custody of him and had to go through rushed foster care for all of the details. And then his brother was born in October, very early, six weeks early, um, very, very sick, had a lot of health health concerns that we had to take care of. Very, very tiny born at four pounds, five ounces, lost some of that weight, like super, super tiny. Um, and there was one day where I was sitting in my parents' house and I was feeding him a bottle. My mom, everybody was gone, but me and, and my brother, and we were sitting in the house and I was feeding him a bottle and I heard God say, here's your 10. And I was like, what? what? And I started to cry and I I looked at him and he said, there's four in heaven and there's six here. And I lost it. Oh my gosh. Completely lost it. 10 kids. 
And God used all of the pain for those, those four babies that my parents lost and thought that I would be an only child for all those years and all the pain that he, that we went through and all the times that we cried as a family of three. And then to see my brother that has achondroplasia through all of the struggles that he had. And my parents decided he needs to be a baby. He needs to be the, the center of attention. He needs that. And God knew that. And then we find this eight-year-old who, who has been through every life trial you can imagine needs a family like the one I have. And then my youngest brother needed my family too. And we needed him. And I, as a two-year-old, I needed those 10, those nine siblings. My parents, every, every life situation that, that comes our way, God can use it for his glory and for, for his plan. And so sitting there feeding my little brother at 24 years old, realizing this is what faith, like, you know, we we can say, I have faith. We can say, I have faith that Jesus exists. I can have faith that God's going to come through. I can have faith in this. But something that I prayed at two years old, two, I can't control anything at two. To 24, God says, here's the answer to that prayer that you prayed 22 years ago. Yeah. That changed the way I view faith. That changed the way I see every life situation. Because every life situation can be used for good. If we see God's plan in it, if we see, you know, and there's a lot of terrible, terrible situations in my life over the last 30 years that I could have looked at and grown really bitter or, or said, you know, this is just, this is the worst situation I'm going to resent. I can resent those things, but sitting there holding that teeny tiny little baby, feeding him a bottle changed everything for me. It changed the way I view faith. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I love how you, I love how you made that distinction. There's a difference between having faith and like experiencing your faith. Yeah. I love that. Cause a 22 year old prayer that you think, well, God just said no. Like there were so many, I mean, many, many years where I thought, okay, I have four siblings. This is perfect. This is great. But I had no idea that my four, the four of us, needed our younger two brothers. Yep. Absolutely. But we we definitely did. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your testimony, sharing a little bit of your story here. Um, I feel like we could talk forever and still not be done. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good to have you on here. Can you do me a favor? Because I'm very much um, one of these people that I want people, I want to help network people to people that would be the best support for them. Right. So I may do a consult and I have referred people out before, out before um, because I know that I wasn't a great fit. And I want to make sure that people deserve to have, if they're going to put the time and say, Hey, I want help. They need the best help that they can. So how can Mm -hmm. people connect with you if they want to work with you or if they want to just, you know, continue to follow your story? Um, So I am on Facebook. You can look up uh, wild and well nutrition on Facebook and on Instagram. My Instagram handle is wild 
period, and period, well, period, nutrition. And you can find all of my links there. You can DM me on there and I would love to connect with you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I hope you have a great one. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. We'd love for you to share a screenshot and share this on your social media stories or wall and share something that stood out to you the most. Tag both at Crying in My Cheesecake and at wild.and.well.nutrition and we would love to connect with you there. Thank you so much.